Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, and anyone just vested in the world of education. Today, I have a special episode, a special guest, Nathan Mitchell. Nathan Mitchell has been in the corporate world and now here in the education world. Uh, Brilliant guy, into rock and classic rock as as well. So I I love that. Um, Nathan, welcome to the show. I don't know about the brilliant piece, but okay. (laughs) You are brilliant. Uh, Thank you for being here. Um, Would you tell the guests uh, who you are? How long have you been involved in EDU, and what brought you to EPIC? Yep. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Nathan Mitchell. I'm our Managing Director of, of Leadership Development here at EPIC Charter School. So I oversee our Directors of Principal Development, uh, our Instructional Coaches. Both of those departments are a fitting topic for today. We're talking about coachability. Both of those departments, it's exactly what they do. And then I also oversee uh, EPIC University, which manages our LMS platform for a lot of the training and development needs uh, for our school. So that's a little bit about me, but uh, been in education since 2012. Uh, as you mentioned, I was in the corporate world uh, in the retail sector for 12 years uh, prior to that. Uh, left the corporate world, just really wasn't a good fit for me. You know, I felt really out of balance in that industry for, for a long time. Actually got into the world of higher education uh, in 2012 first as an adjunct teacher at the college level, and then ultimately in administration. What did you teach uh, as an adjunct? What was your what was your college? Oh, a number of different uh, subjects, anywhere from management to, to economics to to business law. I mean, I was a, an MBA student in grad school and uh, studied business management in undergrad. So anything along those lines that was was fitting for me was kind of in kind of in my wheelhouse and, and what I taught. That's so interesting. I took business law um, at OSU, and I'm pretty sure the professor had just gotten tenured or something because the only thing I got from that class was reasonable person. And so <laughs> if you can throw reasonable person, if a reasonable person would think, if a reasonable person, uh, he took that class and made it 100% a politics discussion uh, it, it was not business law at all. Uh, so yeah. I, I should, we should refresh me, you know, on some stuff. Uh, well, today's topic is coachability. Google defines it as uh, something, um, basically, the means of a person receptive to feedback. And so we're talking about feedback, constructive criticism, how well a person takes that information, uh, maybe applies it, or, or really just takes it, right? I mean, it, it's kind of more of a, a how well you receive the information. Am I right? Yeah, you're exactly right. So why, Nathan, is being coachable or coachability, why is this so important? Yeah, I've actually got a few points I want to make on this on this question. It's a great question, by the way, Aaron. 
the first thing I would like to, to speak to is I, I like to believe that the majority of people want to be their best. They want to perform at their best. Uh, and I think when you look at the, the concept of coaching and what coaching is, I think it's one more thing that, you know, whether you're a parent, a student, or a leader, a team member in the workplace, it's one more process that you can put in your toolbox that can ultimately help you, you know, reach your full potential. You know, prior to, you know, getting to higher education, I mentioned that I was in the corporate world and it was a good, it was not a good fit for me. And when I was in that time of transition, you know, trying to determine whether or not that was going to be the right decision for me and my family, I was working with a coach, you know, and a mentor at that time. And I remember him asking me the question, because it was, it's a big decision to make when you have a four-year-old and a one-year-old at home at that time. You know, my wife wasn't working outside of the home at that time. So it's a big decision to, to leave kind of a secure job that you've been in for 12 years with a good income and stepping out into the unknown. And, you know, even my adjunct pay, I mean, as you know, that was going to be on contract basis from term to term. So it wasn't a full-time job. So I didn't know exactly what my income was going to be like. And I remember my coach asking me, he said, have you considered what it will look like if you fail? And we walked through that process together. And there were a number of different items that, you know, we came up with. And his final question to me was, if all of those things happen, will you be okay with that? And I had never looked at that challenge or what potential outcome of that scenario might be uh, in that moment. Um, and that's just an example of how a coach can have us look at something maybe in a different way than we've looked at it in the past. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, we, we've, we've taken our lumps and bruises uh, for the years, but we made it through those challenging times and have come out on the other side uh, the better for it. Uh, probably would not have made that decision if I wasn't working with a coach, to be honest with you. I may have still been in the same industry that I was, that I was prior. And coaching was as much, you know, a process for me going through the difficulty of transition and all the challenges that came with that as it was in making the decision uh, in the first place. And the second point is, you know, results, results are important. Um, you know, more often than not, it's hard for us to get the results we really desire for ourselves or for the organization we work for. If we're only looking at challenges through kind of our own worldview, you know, I think we need uh, the perspective from other people to help us think outside the box. Um, we need people with different realities than our own to help us kind of navigate the challenges uh, that are before us. And just one more point uh, that I want to make on this is I, I think it's important to point out that coaching is totally different than like telling people what to do or instructing, right? Or even teaching. It's really about finding a way to ask the right questions to help people navigate the challenges for themselves. You know, studies have shown that if you tell people what to do, it can actually increase disengagement in the workplace. But if we ask the right questions and kind of empower them to come up with solutions, on their own, we actually see we see better results. So great question, great coaches ask great questions, great leaders ask great questions. I think John Maxwell has a topic 
uh, on the the book, great leaders ask great questions. Um, you know, there's a big difference you know, from a parent's point of view, um, big difference in yelling at your child, right? Versus saying, uh, what was wrong with your behavior? Or, Man, or what yes. could you have done differently in that moment? There's a big difference in, you know, yelling at a team member in the workplace instead of asking the question, you know, how could you have changed your approach? Or what might you do differently the next time you encounter a similar situation? I, I love everything you've just said, uh, especially that last part, you know, um, and I think you and I have spoken on this before, uh, but even the CEO of large companies, Apple in particular, you know, they have coaches, uh, you know, if, if you're, you're at the top, it doesn't mean that that's the, that's it. You know, you, you still need somebody speaking truth over you speaking, you know, wisdom over you and, and helping you see maybe blind spots. Um, Nathan, do you have a coach now? Actually, I do. You know, I mean, as you know, within Epic, you know, we've partnered with Giant Worldwide and uh, some of our senior leadership team uh, actually receives one-on-one -on -one coaching just because of my role in the leadership development process and overseeing our emerging leaders program. I've lumped into that, to that group uh, more from a standpoint of just communicating what's working, what's not working, how can we adjust things uh, to make sure that the program is meeting our needs as an organization. But, you know, outside of, I have worked with life coaches, uh, you know, in the past, you know, and, and they can definitely be, definitely be helpful. I've worked with business coach, business coaches when I was, because when I got into adjunct teaching, I actually had launched my own company at that time too, and was doing some independent uh, coaching and leadership development coaching. And I kind of had a portfolio career for a number of years. Uh, that's actually where my, my first introduction to you, somebody told me about your podcast and, uh, for what it's worth, it'd be great if you brought that back around just cause I think you've got, yeah, a lot it's been a number of years since I've recorded a podcast, but <laughs> here I am doing one with you today. So it's just as good. I love it. So how much of, uh, being coachable is a mindset issue? I mean, I just did an episode on mindset and, and being able to have growth mindset. How much of a mindset issue is being coachable? Yeah, I think it's a huge component, uh, to be honest. I mean, one of the things that we have going for us, uh, and you kind of alluded to this just a moment ago, is that uh, coaching doesn't have the stigma that it once did. I mean, even if you went back, I think, 10 or 15 years ago, and you, know, you told somebody you were working with a life coach, they would automatically assume that there's probably something wrong with you, right? You've you got some to... real significant internal challenges right. that you're trying to work through. Or if you're working with, you know, a business coach, well, your business must be failing or at the end of the day, you're just not good enough to do it on your own. And neither one of those cases are often true, right? Uh, it's a common, widely accepted practice now. And as you mentioned, I mean, some of the top people in organizations, you know, now openly admit that they have coaches uh, to help them at their best. You know, I talked about the work that Epic is doing uh, with giant worldwide has been really effective for us, you know, in helping us continue to shape our culture and remain one of Oklahoma's top uh, workplaces. I mentioned our emerging leader program. We've had phenomenal interest in that and we're seeing results and impact at all levels in the organization. Uh, so I think mindset is huge. Uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about strategies and whatnot as well. But uh, I was looking at some data this morning prior to uh, this call and just in the U.S. alone in 2020, 
uh, coaching industry is a $12 billion a year industry. And they expect that to decline by about 10% just because of all the challenges, you know, that this year has surfaced. So, I mean, call it 10 billion, you know, it's still, it's still significant and, and huge. And, uh, you know, you're not a $12 billion a year interesting industry unless there's a lot of people that are believing in the concept and the results that it gives them. Well, and so speaking of strategies, what are some strategies that you've used uh, to become more coachable? Yeah, I think the first thing is you know, increasing your self-awareness is really a great one. Uh, I've mentioned we, we work with Giant Worldwide and they have a toolkit with a number of different visual tools that can help us manage to a lot of different things in our leadership and our personal lives. And they have a tool called Know Yourself to Lead Yourself. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to know ourselves to lead ourselves effectively. And I think when we do this well, we recognize that each and every one of us, we have certain tendencies. We have certain patterns of behavior that ultimately shape our actions. Those actions can be good or bad. Uh, and all of those actions, they ultimately have consequences for us, right? And those can be positive or negative as well. And all of that encompassing, you know, shapes our reality and who we are as people. I think it was Tony Robbins that said, a life worth living is a life worth examining. Uh, and I love that uh, statement. I think self-awareness plays a key key role in that. It's important for us to recognize what we do well. Uh, it's important for us to recognize where we fall short, where we're not meeting expectations. And it's ultimately that awareness that makes us realize that each, each and every one of us has room to grow. And by recognizing that each and every one of us have room to grow, I think it opens the door to recognizing that coaching might be a good fit for us to uh, either do better at the things that we're already strong at or continue to work on uh, some of those things that we need improvement. The second strategy would be to, you know, just start a conversation with someone, you know, who's benefited from, from coaching. They've either received from a mentor, a professional coach in the industry or a direct supervisor in the workplace. And, you know, most people that I've had conversations uh, with have had positive things to say about coaching and the impacts that it's ultimately had on their results and performance. So I think those two things, increase your self-awareness and then just have conversations with people that have, you know, utilized it themselves at some point in the past or currently. You know, you mentioned the the tools and the toolkit that we've received from Giant. And I was a part of one of those emerging leaders program. So valuable, so great. Um, one of the things I love the most about that is it got our entire organization kind of speaking the same language. We can, we can ask, are you in first gear, fifth gear? Where are you in between? Uh, the know yourself to lead yourself. Um, is there, and, and we've got the voices as well. Um, uh, you know, I'm a creative connector. Um, is there a, a certain voice within our organization? I mean, is there a trend that says this voice is more coachable or this voice is less coachable? Have you guys looked into that yet? No, I wouldn't say that's the case at all. I wouldn't say that any one voice is, you know, less prone to coaching than another. I mean, I, I think if you were to look at our organization as a whole, we have a lot of uh, teachers, obviously, in, in our school, and we have a lot of people in admin uh, that were teachers at some point. And I think if you had to maybe identify which voice is probably most prominent in our organization would definitely be nurturers 
just given, you know, the industry. Yeah. You know, a lot of people enter teaching. A lot of them are nurturers. A lot of people who enter industries like nursing and those kinds of things, you know, tend to be more nurturers. But, uh, you know, it's by no means all encompassing, but I definitely would say that would be one that would be most prominent in our organization. Uh, is there a difference in your opinion between a mentor and a coach? You know, I think a lot of times, you know, especially in uh, professional coaching, you know, coaching is actually something that you know, you're investing money in. You're hiring somebody more often than not to work with you unless it's something like what we do at Epic and we're offering it inside the organization. You know, it's a company benefit and to continue to prove our communication, and our culture. I think a lot of times mentorship are more informal, informal uh, relationships. You know, the mentor that I was speaking to earlier that, you know, worked with me a lot during my career transition and launching in my business and stuff many years ago. Uh, I mean, that was an informal relationship of somebody that I was introduced to, you know, through networking. Uh, that's somebody that I should interact with. And, you know, this is somebody who, who was older and had walked down my path before and who had even failed in business and come back and ultimately, you know, succeeded. So it was having that experience and that guidance that was was important for me. I think, so to answer your question, oftentimes coaching is more formal and mentorship typically are, are more informal relationships. I think- um, Both are extremely beneficial though. Oh yeah, for sure. I think the coaching would, would have to be a little more formal, don't you? I mean, especially if you're gut checking somebody from time to time. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you are now in this position where you are coaching coaches uh does it change your approach to the position or the idea um how, how do you coach somebody to become a coach you know for me it really doesn't it, cha it doesn't change the approach i mean there may be people out there that are coaches or you know have been in similar industries like i had that would disagree with me but i mean i, th I think people are people regardless of what position they're in uh, the challenges just become different. You know, the, out, the, the outcomes become different that you're looking to achieve. But I think you, you know, you work through those just the same. I mean, uh, even when I'm, you know, working with my direct reports, I'm still going to do my best to ask the right questions and offer feedback and give suggestions based upon, you know, my own experience and the experience of others that have been in similar situations as them. So now I don't necessarily think that, um, you know, I change my approach based on a person's position per se. Okay. How quickly can you tell Nathan if a person is going to be easily coached or if they are going to just shut down? Yeah. You know, for me, I think it's pretty quickly, you know, the things I look for is someone that's kind of really engaged and actively listening, you know, in the conversation. Uh, sometimes you see them taking notes They're they're asking questions of you in return for further clarification. Uh, but, you know, most importantly, it all boils down to implementation. You know, I think when it comes to coaching, you know, you can guide someone in what you believe to be the right direction for them, but it ultimately comes down to whether they make the intentional choice to do it or not. And they have to recognize, you know, there's consequences in that choice. It can be positive, positive or negative. And the second piece is I also think that age can play a role at times. And I don't say this to be biased in any way whatsoever. I'll use myself as an example. I was pretty stubborn 
you know, in, in my younger years. I was immature as a leader, you know, reluctant to take advice from, from other people. Uh, and at the end of the day, at that time, in my early to mid-20s, I just, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Um, I'm a lot less like that now, and I think my supervisors here at Epic appreciate that, right, as well as the people <laughs> that I work with. And But, you know, the opposite can be true, uh, too, as well. You know, as we mature, I talked about earlier about, you know, know yourself to lead yourself, our natural tendencies and actions and patterns of behavior. Uh, the older we get, unless we make changes, those continue to become more and more ingrained in us. And sometimes that's just hard, hard to navigate and hard to change. Uh, Keith Ferrazzi, he wrote a book called Never Eat Alone. He was actually a networking guru years ago, but he's gotten more into leadership and, and culture in years past. But uh, So he's a thought leader and author, and I came across a quote of his that says, organizations can't change their culture unless individual employees change their behavior, and changing behavior is hard. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that, and it just doesn't apply to organizations. I mean, if, if you're a parent you're well aware of how difficult it can be to change, change a child's behavior. So uh, those would be the couple of things that I would pinpoint on that question. Can coachability be measured? And I, I mean, I, I guess I'm asking this question, how do you measure it? But it sounds like it can be. I mean, you've said you've grown over time or you've become more coachable over time. How, how do you measure that? Yeah, first of all, I mean, absolutely, it is measurable. Um, you know, you talked about just the amount of industries and organizations that are investing in, coach, in, in coaching. If there wasn't a return on investment and a way to measure it, they wouldn't be doing it, yeah. right? Um, so let's say you're a student. You know, you're going to look at your academic performance. You're going to look at your progress. Uh, if you're a parent, you know, maybe you're looking for changes in observable behavior, you know, with your kids uh, in the corporate world. And we even talk about this at Epic, too. Uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. You know, we look at those types of things all the time. So if you're using training and development and coaching to, let's say, improve organizational communication and culture, you know, maybe employee turnover, you know, would be a great key performance indicator that you could look at to measure whether or not what you're doing is working or not. One of the things that we do in our Emerging Leader Program is at the start of the program, we give everyone a baseline self-leadership assessment survey questionnaire, right? And we get a numeric value, you know, from one to five on where the cohort falls as a group. But then we do that again mid-year and then again at the end of the year. So we can actually monitor whether what we're doing is working or not. And uh, coaching is a big part of the Emerging Leadership Program. That's just one way that we choose to, to measure as an organization. So yes, absolutely, coachability is measurable. So for the parent that might be listening, um, how can what are some questions they can ask of their student around academics that they can better coach their students to become more independent? Uh, I, I hear a lot. There's a lot of, um, you know, chatter on the Facebook group where they say, I didn't realize I was just going to have to sit here so much. I didn't realize I was going to have to tell them over and over and over again. You know, how can parents coach these kiddos to become a little more independent? Mm, I think, you know, time management is is a big piece you know, on being independent. I think that's one of the challenges um, 
you know, just getting all the schoolwork that they have to do on a daily basis. And, you know, I think it boils down to asking questions like, you know, what's, what's working for you? You know, what, what's not working for you? Um, what are you currently struggling with? I think one of the best questions a, a parent can probably ask their student is how can I help? You know, where do you need my help the most? Um, so those would be some things that I'd recommend. I mean, you know, I, I've never taught K through 12 education. So, I mean, you may actually have some better advice in that area that, than I do. But, you know, I think it goes back to just just asking great questions and, and helping them come up with solutions on their own. I think the more autonomy that you can give them, the more empowering that is over time and the more independent they feel. Yeah, I, I think um, setting a schedule and then abiding by that schedule, you know, not letting uh, random circumstances dictate your day, let your your schedule kind of set the tone and and things will come up, obviously. But but if I know that, you know, I've got my own daughter, um, Tatum is is an eighth grader. And I've already got her set up with a, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, Tuesday, Thursday, because that's what she's going to see in college. And and letting kids wait until they hit college to figure some of those things out, I think is um, I think we're doing kids a disservice. But I've, I've you know said, here's your Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. And at the end of the week, actually, um, which some people might find is too late, <laughs> we, we come together and we say, what were you able to get done? What weren't you able to get done? Do I need to adjust the schedule? But I do try to let her go full week, uh, trying to follow that schedule to, to see if, you know, if she can do it or, or if we need to tweak it. And I think being ready to pivot, but also letting go of, you know, the leash is, is something that we, especially fifth grade and up, I think giving them, the ownership of their schedule is huge. So, Yeah, my wife does a lot of what you just mentioned with our kids. Both of I didn't mention this at the beginning, but both of our kids are Epic students. Uh, and I kind of feel like Epic chose us, you know, long ago. I mean, my daughter's 13. She's been uh, an Epic student for seven years. And my daughter, my son, he's 10, and he's never been in traditional, traditional brick and mortar, so... Nathan, anyway. we should get our kids together. Our kids are the That's exact right. same age. Uh, Jolene is 10 and has never been in a freaking mortar school either. No. So uh, interesting. Nathan, you are a wealth of knowledge. Will you come back on the show sometime? Absolutely. Awesome. I'd be happy to. Awesome. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, if you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button. Subscribe to the podcast so that you're notified each time a new episode drops. If you're a returning listener, go ahead and rate the podcast. Leave us a comment. I see you out there commenting. You are commenting through the Podbean. You are commenting on our Facebook page. And uh, what I'd like to see are some more Apple podcast reviews. So go ahead and drop them in there. Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.